Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. One. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants. I'm your host, Anthony Rivardo, joined by my co-host, Alex Wilson, and we are almost there, guys. The NFL regular season kicks off tomorrow night with the Chiefs and the Lions, and then a few days later, Sunday night football, New York Giants hosting the Dallas Cowboys. And this is a game we're all extremely excited for. Week one of the regular season, finally here. I can't wait. But in order for the Giants to pull off the win in week one and overcome the Dallas Cowboys, they're going to need a few key players to stand out. So Alex has three players that he thinks are the key to winning. I have three different players that I think are the key to winning this game. And we're going to go ahead and break down all of our key players to winning this crucial matchup. But before we dive into all that, make sure to leave a like if you do enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode and comment your thoughts on this topic down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review and go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. But without further ado, Alex, how are you doing today, my friend? And who is the first First player that you think is the key to winning this game. I'm doing great, man. Look, we have a big game coming up on Sunday, my friends. It is going to set the tone for this season. It's going to show what we've been trying to accomplish this offseason in terms of bolstering the roster, boosting the team, improving several units. Um, And ultimately, it's going to come down to a few key positions, key players. And, you know, football's a game of inches. Every single moment counts. Every single yard counts. Every single piece of effort uh, goes into winning a football game. And the Dallas Cowboys, they got better. The Giants, I would argue, got a lot better. Um, Personnel-wise, I mean, the fact we made the postseason last year with the roster we had was a gift from the gods. It was a, a, a kind of glimmer into what could be a very bright future. But, you know, you got to put it all together. And I think these guys feel that synergy. They feel that camaraderie in the locker room. Uh, but now you got to put it on the football field. They've had some really good camp days, had some really good preseason performances. But now the starter is going to get some action. Um, we're going to see some key guys here. Now, I think the number one player that we can probably all agree on here is if Evan Neal steps up, the Giants are going to have a really good chance of winning this game. Uh, Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, you really need to stop those two guys. Or Maybe not stop them because it's impossible to stop them, but limit them. Um, Demarcus Lawrence, you know, he's an all, he's a Pro Bowl guy. Micah Parsons an all-pro level talent. And they're going to keep attacking Evan Neal as much as possible. Andrew Thomas, they're like, all right, like, we can try our best against Andrew Thomas, but he's going to stifle us for the most part. We're going to kill Evan Neal. Like, Micah Parsons is going to destroy Evan Neal. But maybe he doesn't. Maybe Evan Neal steps up and has a really good performance and really sets the tone for the rest of his 2023 season. And that would be a really good step forward for the Giants' offensive line. You know what I mean? So I think he only played like 63 snaps or maybe less than that um, in during preseason. Probably less, actually. And I think he gave up one sack. He, he said he feels a lot better. His footwork feels a lot better. His hand placement, his flexibility, his reaction timing. He feels like he's a better player. But does that actually translate to success um, against elite pass rushers? That's what we have to find out. If Evanil can block, you know, at an adequate average level in this game, it's going to give Daniel Jones an extra second. And that's all it takes for NFL quarterbacks to succeed. You know, that extra second goes a long way toward producing results. Um, and in the run blocking game, we know Evanil's a big dude. He can get out to the second level. He can do some stuff for you. Um, I, I feel confident he's going to do a good job in run blocking for the most part. But it's the pass blocking factor that definitely is still a big question mark. But, you know, Anthony, what are your thoughts on Evan Neal? Do you agree on him? Is there anybody else uh, that you might think of uh, that could make a bigger impact in this contest? 
Yeah, 100%. I agree that Evan Neal is a key to victory here. No disagreement there because when you're looking at the Giants offensive line matched up against this Dallas Cowboys defense, I mean, you have some pretty formidable foes over in Dallas with Micah Parsons, one of the best pass rushing linebackers in the NFL, and Demarcus Lawrence, who's a great pass rusher and an excellent run defender. So when you're looking at Evan Neal entering his second season, we all know putrid rookie season. It was a tough first campaign for Evan Neal, but he's looking to bounce back. He lost 15 pounds. He added a bunch of muscle. He changed his pass protection stance. All of these things should factor into a much improved second year for Evan Neal. However, he's got to get off to a really good start in week one against probably one of his most difficult opponents of the season because inevitably he's going to have some pass rushing or some pass protecting snaps against um, Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence and it's going to be a handful for him. So how does he manage that? How does he fare in week one? That could be really telling for his success throughout the rest of the regular season. But in terms of beating Dallas, it all starts with slowing down Micah Parsons because he is truly a game breaker on the defensive end. If you don't slow him down, he will ruin your entire game uh, from the offensive standpoint. So Evan Neal has to have a big performance in week one if the Giants are going to win this game. But I want to throw my other player into this mix here and kind of jump to the other side of the ball. You're talking about a pass protector. I'm talking about a pass rusher in the closer, Kayvon Thibodeau. Now, it's a primetime game, and that's going to be a theme here for two of my players that I have to bring in as my keys. But for Kayvon Thibodeau in particular, the guy comes to play on those primetime games. Think back to that Washington game where he scored a touchdown with the strip sack. He had the game winning um, stop on Taylor Heineke as he tried to rush into the end zone. Fourth down stops, third down stops, whatever. Kayvon Thibodeau was a one-man machine in that game against the Washington Commanders. And now going into week one, primetime game against Dallas. I'm expecting a big season out of Kayvon Thibodeau, and I think he's going to get it off to a hot start in week one. He's got a pretty favorable matchup here, in my opinion. Now, again, this Dallas offensive line has been kind of inconsistent over the past couple years. It's always been a really good unit, but in recent years, it started to take a step backwards. But this year, with Tyron Smith entering, I don't even know what season he's in at this point. He's getting up there in age, though. He's 32 years old. Tyron Smith is a favorable matchup for Kayvon Thibodeau, in my opinion. Um, Just hasn't been what he used to be. And then you look over to the other side of the line, Terrence Steele at right tackle. The Cowboys just signed him to a massive extension. That's a battle right there. Kayvon Thibodeau versus Steele is going to be a really exciting matchup to keep an eye on. But if Thibodeau can get the best of him on a few occasions throughout this game, that could be the difference. That could be a real game changer um, with Kayvon Thibodeau. Again, we all know that he loves to rise to the occasion in those primetime games. Yes, only four sacks as a rookie. However, he had 40 pressures and he had some pretty good performances against Dallas last season as well. So especially that one on um, Thanksgiving, he had a couple nice pressures there. Didn't get the sack, but had a few nice pressures. And I think he's going to look to build on that and make sure to get a sack on Dak Prescott in this game. So Thibodeau, I think is a massive key. Hopefully he does have another one of those dazzling primetime performances like he had last season. And if he does, Alex, I think it could be a really solid game from the Giants on the defensive end. Look, I mean, Terrence Steele's pretty freaking good. Undrafted free agent back in 2020 from Texas Tech. I mean, I don't know what it is with Dallas, but they just churn out good offensive linemen. I mean, they might not have uh, Tyler... Tyler Smith was it uh their left guard which is a good sign I mean you know obviously you want everyone to be healthy and you want to go against the best but if he's out that makes Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams job a little bit easier but Terrence Steele's no joke guys I mean he gave up one sack last year over 818 total snaps um his week one performance was maybe his the worst of his entire season he gave up two pressures and four penalties so you know that's 
maybe like he starts off slow and gets a little bit better as he goes on, but then he followed up in week two with an elite performance against Cincinnati, um, then another one against the Giants, so the, a tremendous, like the highest pass blocking grade he had the entire year. So, you know, when it comes to beating Terrence Steele, you're going to have to use Wink Martindale's strengths, and it's going to be overwhelming with numbers, and you need your man coverage to hold up on the back end uh, to get that job done. But Kayvon Thibodeau is looking to take his game to another level. What better way to do that than to go over and beat the crap out of a really good player? You know what I mean? If Kayvon Thibodeau wants to be the best, he wants to be known um, as one of the best, he's got to beat great players. And Terrence Steele, I wouldn't say he's great, but he's definitely above average. Um, he's definitely trending toward being a very solid tackle for a long time. So... If I'm Kayvon Thibodeau, I'm looking at Terrence Steele saying, all right, this is where I put on the gas, man. This is where I step on the gas. This is where I kick some ass. Um, this is where I take my game to another level. This is where I show my growth and development as a sophomore in the NFL. Um, this is where people start to, re- to recognize me as one of the best pass rushers in the game. So Terrence Steele is going to be no joke, but like you said – if he can dominate there, if he can beat up Terrence Steele, it's going to make everybody else's job on the on the defensive line a lot easier because they're going to have to go and support Terrence Steele, and they're going to have to take away guys from the interior. Dexter Lawrence takes up two bodies. Leonard Williams takes up two bodies. Aziz Ojolari may be the best pure pass rusher on this roster. Um, and then Kayvon Thibodeau has the upside to be elite. You know what I mean? Like, these guys are... You know, I think their upside is as high as anyone in the league, personally. So, you know, if if you want to set the tone, you got to do it against a good Dallas Cowboys offensive line twice every single season. This is the way to start your year. Kick the crap out of them. Take that step. Show everybody you're no joke. And then Kayvon Thibodeau can really leverage that into a strong uh, sophomore performance. But, you know, you're right. Like, this Kayvon Thibodeau one is, is definitely a good one. My next one, um, I'm going to go with wide receiver. Or not even wide receiver. Listing him as a wide receiver, basically, and Darren Waller. I think that Darren Waller in this game could be the difference. He said yesterday that early downs, Dallas play a lot of zone, and then they they tend to man up on third downs, like the later downs, um, which is exactly what you want if you're Darren Waller. You can't cover Darren Waller in man coverage. You have to try and play zone against You have to try and cover those zones he's going into and have guys ready to react. If you play man coverage on Darren Waller, he's going to destroy you. Not only is his wingspan so much bigger than any cornerback could could hope to offer, but he's an elite route runner from the tight end position, and he's one of the fastest, if not the fastest tight end in football. If he is healthy, and he's healthy right now, he is unguardable uh, if you're playing man coverage against him. So if you're the Giants, it's third down, and they're manning up Darren Waller, you're going to see him absolutely feast. On top of that, he's an elite red zone threat for this Giants team, especially with an offense that had a top five, I think they were what, ranked second last year, in touchdown conversion rate. Now you add a player like Darren Waller to the mix, I mean, you're going to see a lot of creativity. Um, we saw what they did actually in preseason with Daniel Bellinger had that touchdown. They actually used Darren Waller as bait. All of the defensive backs followed him, and then Daniel Bellinger ended up wide open in the flats. So you're going to see, like, Waller is going to command so much attention, it's going to help everybody else. So it's not just what he's going to do, but it's what he's going to do for everybody else in terms of their production, them getting open, them not having a lot of uh, attention allocated toward them. Saquon Barkley is another guy that's going to be, like, commanding two, uh, two sets of eyes at all times. So if you have four guys, you know, if you have two DBs always looking at Waller and you have both your linebackers looking at Saquon, you tell me, like, there's going to be guys open. You only have so many DBs. You only have so many linebackers and safeties. There's going to be guys open. You know, I'm looking at guys like maybe I could see Paris Campbell scoring in this game. Um, I could see – I don't think Wondell's going to get much action. I could see Sterling Shepard scoring in this game. He's always been a really good red zone threat for us. So, uh, But they, this Giants team is going to really expand upon, upon the tight end position. What they're going to do with Waller and Bellinger is going to be something like we haven't seen before on this Giants offense. We've never seen this type of dynamic duo at tight end. I mean, I, I can't recall. 
recall a time when we had two players of this of this caliber um, playing off one another. We usually just had like that one guy, like that shocky or that boss, um, or <laughs> you know some other guys that maybe weren't so good over the last couple of years. Evan Ingram, I hope he has a great season in, in Jacksonville. I really like him as a guy. Um, I'm, I'm happy to see him get that second contract. So you know, good luck to him, obviously, but. Waller's a different beast, different animal, and I'm excited to see what he can do. I think he could take this offense to another level as long as he's healthy, and I think against Dallas, you know, Leighton Van Der Esch, yeah, God help him if he's covering man-to-man coverage on Darren Waller. He's going to get freaking toasted, so, you know, that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at mismatches. I'm looking at man coverage, and I'm looking at Darren Waller in the red zone. Thousand percent. I agree with all the points that you made. I want to dive into my other guy immediately because I think it's a great way to transition. All those man coverage matchups that you're referring to, that's also going to open up a key element of the Giants offense, and that is Daniel Jones's running game. Daniel Jones is my other key player to winning this game. I'm going to dive back into Darren Waller, though, because you made some great points that I want to build on. This guy is a difference maker. You know, you mentioned Evan Engram. Back when the Giants had Evan Engram for the first couple of seasons of his career, I remember fans saying, why don't we use this guy more like Darren Waller? Why don't we implement him into our offense the same way that the Raiders use Darren Waller? And if you really think about it, the, the years that Evan Engram was here, he was our best receiving weapon. Like, he really was, uh, minus, you know, um, a couple seasons with Odell Beckham Jr. up until 2018. But when Daniel Jones was throwing the ball to Evan Engram, yes, at times he would turn into a turnover machine, but really, he was Daniel Jones's favorite target. That's the type of receiver that he likes to throw the ball to. Those big, dynamic, uh, shifty tight ends that get open in space, like a good route-running tight end. That's what Daniel Jones really thrives when when throwing the ball to and now he has one he basically has Evan Engram but better and that's so exciting for me and I think that when you look at what Darren Waller can do in an offense he can do everything he can line up out wide in the slot in the line and he's just a matchup nightmare for opposing defenses like if they put Trayvon Diggs up against six foot six Darren Waller I'm expecting Darren Waller to win the majority of those reps he's a great route runner and he has the size and the frame to pretty much go over the top of any cornerback in the NFL so Darren Waller an absolute difference man not just going to make an impact in the red zone, but really every level of the field. He's a big, deep threat. He's a good, he's a great route runner in the short to intermediate range. And he's just one of those guys who's going to be constantly moving in motion, getting open and using his elite route running skills from that position to make big time plays. But Daniel Jones has to throw him the rock to make those big time plays. And Daniel Jones, in my opinion, is the number one key to victory in this game because he just got paid this offseason. He's got to be the franchise quarterback, and that means he's got to start winning games on prime time. Now, if you look at Daniel Jones's career, 2-10 career record in primetime matchups. One win coming against Washington last year, the Kayvon Thibodeau dominant performance that I mentioned earlier. The other win coming in the postseason against the Minnesota Vikings. One of those losses, though, coming against the Eagles um, in the postseason, and a few of them coming against the Dallas Cowboys. Daniel Jones has a 1-6 career record against Dallas. Again, a very, very poor record there, something he absolutely needs to improve in week one. If he can make that a 2-6 and six record and give himself a 3-10 and 10 record in primetime games, we'll be hyped and we'll be confident in him going through the rest of this regular season as our franchise quarterback. But as things stand, Daniel Jones, historically speaking, Alex, has been very poor against the Dallas Cowboys, has been very poor in primetime games. Granted, the Giants team as a whole has been very poor for the majority of Daniel Jones' career, but still, it's time to turn things around. 
The team is better. He's got an elite weapon like Darren Waller, as we just mentioned, and Daniel Jones is really ascending into a new level of his game. So going into primetime matchups like this, the Giants should not just be written off anymore. Daniel Jones has to change that narrative. It can't just be Daniel Jones is going to lose another primetime game. It needs to be Daniel Jones. I can't wait to watch him on the national stage on primetime throwing the football to Darren Waller and handing it off to Saquon Barkley. That's what we need to start getting excited about. Of course, Giants fans are excited about that, but you know the NFL community at large doesn't really care to see Daniel Jones on primetime because he usually stinks on primetime. I need him to change that narrative in week one. He's got to go out there and have a big-time performance against the Dallas Cowboys, and that's the only way that the New York Giants are going to win this game. The conversation starts and it ends with Daniel freaking Jones. If he goes out there and has an elite performance, the Giants will win. But if he goes out there and has a mediocre or a bad performance, the Giants are going to lose this game. A lot of the success of this team does rely on the quarterback position and on the fact that Daniel Jones, uh, whether or not he performs well, is really going to be the deciding factor in the Giants winning this game, in my opinion. So, Alex, how are you feeling about Danny Dimes heading into week one? I'm feeling good, and there's one reason that I'm feeling pretty good about this team. Um, the Cowboys, like, think about what the Cowboys have done to us to stop us in the past, right? The Cowboys have done a couple things. They stack the box, um, they don't let us go over the top, and essentially they force Saquon to beat them. And when you only need to worry about one single player, it's pretty damn easy. You know what I mean? It's pretty easy to, to, to only focus on one player and stop them. Um, and Saquon still had some really phenomenal performances against them. So I'll tell you this. Daniel Jones, what we saw during his rookie season, where he was the flinging the rock downfield, he was taking chances, he was taking high, some, some a little bit more risky than others, but he overall was a much different offensive system. This is where we see him revert back to that, but at a much higher level. I think we're going to see this Giants offense do something that the Dallas Cowboys have not seen this team do in years, and that's go the hell downfield. They're going to see a lot of shots downfield. You're going to see a lot of guys open, a lot of chances for them to make plays. And that's what's going to separate what the Giants have done in the past from what, we've, what we're going to do in the future. And ultimately, the, way, the reason I like this matchup for us is because Dallas is so used to us being a one-trick pony, handing off Saquon Barkley, doing the same thing over and over again. What they're about to see this Giants, Giants offense do is nothing like they've seen in the past probably decade, to be quite honest with you. Um, even Eli Manning, you know, when he was there, I mean, maybe not decade, I'll probably like seven, six years. When we had OBJ and Eli, that was the only time when we had a formidable duo that was like, okay, like you got to keep track of those guys. But like Saquon really wasn't around for the majority of that. So, um, you know, you had that one guy and, and, you know, OBJ was a, a different animal. But now you have so many different weapons in a modern scheme and a tight end that they haven't seen the Giants utilize a tight end like this in a long time. Um, they're just not going to be used to what we're throwing at them. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's kind of what I'm looking at right now. Daniel Jones has sucked for two major reasons. Um, well, I'll say three major reasons. The first one, he's never had a really good receiver. You know what I mean? He's never had a guy that actually commanded attention in, in opposing defensive backfields. Uh, the second reason, he's never had an offensive line. You know, if the Giants have a decent offensive line this year, it's going to change the game for them. Um, we've never seen Daniel Jones with more than a couple milliseconds in the pocket before it crumbled. And Dallas specifically has destroyed us. The third thing is Daniel Jones made really bad decisions in the past, but I think he's getting over those bad decisions. I think he's learning how to operate without making too many risks, taking too many un unnecessary risks, um, because now with more time, a better system, more guys that are open, better route concepts that aren't as predictable – 
Things are going to be open for him. They're not going to be fitting it into tight windows, throwing it into triple coverage, hoping for something to happen because you're just trying to get anything going. Um, it's not going to be like the slants over and over again from the Ben McAdoo era or, Pat, or even, you know, with Joe Judge and it was just disastrous, you know. I think that this offense is going to be so creative, and he understands it, right? He understands the verbiage. He's comfortable in this offense. They're adding new layers to it. This isn't the first year Daniel Jones in a new scheme anymore. This is the Daniel Jones in his second year with more weapons and a better offensive line. That is, like, you can't ignore those variables. And, yes, he has the narrative around him that he's not a good primetime quarterback, but it's not because he's not good enough to be a good primetime quarterback. It's because he's never had the support. He's never had the team around him. So now I'm excited because the Dallas Cowboys, they think they know what the Giants are going to do. They think they've seen what the Giants are capable of. We haven't even seen what the Giants are capable of yet. The new the new system that we're about to unfold, the new layers that we're about to introduce are going to blow us away. And I'm pretty confident of that because we saw that one drive against the Panthers, right? That one single drive, and they couldn't even figure out where we were going with the football. Darren Waller marched right down the field with three consecutive catches, and then they used him as a distraction to get Daniel Bellinger in the end zone. The amount of confusion that they're going to create for opposing offense is going to be something like we have never seen before on this team. Um, it's a modern system. It's one that is relying heavily on a tight end, just like the Chiefs did with Travis Kelsey, where Mike Kafka has come from, and he understands how to leverage that. Then you throw in another dynamic tight end like Daniel Bellinger, and then you throw in all these good receivers in the boundary speed with, you know, you have this up the seam with Paris Campbell, and you have Jalen Hyatt and Darius Slayton on the boundary with 4-3 speed there. Like, you know, you're, you're I mean, I don't think Jalen Hyatt at 4-3, but I'll tell you this, his game speed is elite. What we're going to see here is is just going to keep Dallas in the deeper portions of the backfield. And then you introduce Saquon Barkley, who's now not going to have a stacked box to deal with. So Daniel Bellinger, or rather Daniel Jones, his success is going to be because everybody else around him got better. Um, and then he's going to follow suit. He's going to help elevate everybody. You know, this overall talent, um, I'm really excited about that. that. That's definitely a big one for me. I think that this is this is an offense that we're going to be blown away by in week one. We're going to be like, this is a different ball game for us. We have not seen this in a very, very long time, if not ever on the Giants. So, you know, uh, when it comes to my other guy, this is probably one of the more important ones. Um, I'm going to go with rookie cornerback Trey Hawkins. And the reason I'm going with rookie cornerback Trey Hawkins is because if I'm Dallas, you know, if, if I'm their offensive coordinator, if I'm, if I'm their head coach, I am targeting Hawkins every single play to start this game. You know what I mean? I am going after him. He is a rookie sixth-round pick out of Old Dominion. I am going to force him to step up. You know what I mean? Like, the Giants, they need him to step up because if, if I'm them, I am going after him all the time. You know, that, that, that should be their game plan. Attack Trey Hawkins. Attack him as much as possible. Um, and even Deontay Banks. Attack those rookie corners. If they hold up, if they can hold up even for an extra second, that pass rush is going to hit home. We have good enough pass rushers, and we have enough numbers to get there. Um, Dak Prescott's not that good. He has good games, but he's not that good in my opinion. I think that if you rattle him, um, you know, ever since that injury, he hasn't been as willing to run either. I think if you rattle him, you can get in his head, and he'll throw interceptions. He has not been, um, you know, someone that has not thrown interceptions in the past. He will turn the ball over. So, you know, Anthony, looking at Hawkins – you know, how important is it that he steps up? I think that he probably may be the key on the defensive side uh, for this Giants team. 
He's one of the keys on the defensive side because, I mean, the Giants are really baptizing their rookie cornerbacks with the fire right now. You know, sending um, two rookie cornerbacks starting on the outside with a Dory Jackson, uh, or sorry, with Trey Hawkins and Deontay Banks, that co- that could be a recipe for disaster. I'm confident in both of those guys, especially Deontay Banks. I have the utmost confidence in our first round draft pick. But with Trey Hawkins, yes, he's stood out all summer. He's looked excellent at Giants practice, and he looked good in the preseason. But now entering the regular season, going up against different opponents, not just the Giants receivers, this is a whole different beast for the rookie. And again, he's a sixth round pick that played at Old Dominion. He doesn't enter the NFL with a ton of top end experience, really with none. So you're you're talking about just what he did this summer um, being what's prepared him for this regular season. And that's not a whole lot of time to prepare. So I do expect a lot of rookie growing pains for Trey Hawkins. And I agree with you. I think that the Dallas Cowboys are going to be targeting him early and often they're gonna say hey sixth round rookie old dominion let's throw the ball at him let's get the ball going his way let's see what ways we can get cd lamb lined up against trey hawkins i think it's inevitable i know a lot of giants fans keep mentioning um in the comments that you know adory jackson's gonna be the primary guy guarding cd lamb of course he is but you're you're kidding yourself if you don't think that dallas is going to try to find ways to get trey hawkins lined up against cd lamb so that they can try and expose that matchup because it's one that on paper is very favorable for C.D. Lamb. So with C.D. Lamb in that offense, you have to keep in mind they also have Michael Gallup. They added Brandon Cooks. There's a lot of firepower on the offensive end for the Dallas Cowboys. And when you're looking at the secondary for the Giants, it's very, very inexperienced. Even with Deontay Banks as a rookie, Trey Hawkins as a rookie, you can almost call Hadori Jackson a rookie in some way because he's never played slot cornerback full-time at any point in his NFL career. And he's my third and final player as the key to success for winning this game because, yes, he will primarily be lined up on C.D. Lamb. And C.D. Lamb is the game breaker for the Dallas Cowboys on the offensive end. Slowing down C.D. Lamb has to be step one to slowing down the Dallas Cowboys offense. I agree with what you said about Dak Prescott. He is a little bit injury or not injury prone, turnover prone. I'm sure that there's an interception or two waiting out there for the Giants in week one, but he's also pretty good at feeding the ball to C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb is an all pro talent uh, in this NFL. So Adoree Jackson playing this new position of primarily being the Giants slot cornerback. He's going to probably travel with C.D. Lamb in the slot, outside of the slot. He's going to be moving all over the place. How does he fare in that one-on-one matchup with C.D. Lamb? That could be crucial for the Giants defense this this uh, week one matchup because C.D. Lamb, again, one of those game breakers. We talked about Micah Parsons on the defensive end for Dallas. He's a game breaker, but on the offensive end, it's C.D. Lamb. He can do it all. He's an excellent route runner. He's got the ability to make those big contests the catches. We saw that against the Giants last year, the one-handed catch on Adoree Jackson. I know that's living with Adoree Jackson right now. I know that's in the back of his mind. Yes, yeah, C.D. Lamb made a super highlight real catch on him in the touch for a touchdown um, in the end zone on Thanksgiving. Adoree Jackson's going to have that in the back of his mindset. I'm not letting that happen again. Next time, I'm picking it off. I'm not letting C.D. Lamb embarrass me like that this time around. And I think that's going to be a little extra motivation for Adoree Jackson. And again, I think that Playing this new position is plenty of motivation for Adore Jackson. Prove that he can do this. This could honestly earn him another contract. If he has a good year playing out of the slot this season, this could earn him another contract with the New York Giants. But again, it all starts in week one, slowing down an all-pro talent in CeeDee Lamb. That might be one of the keys here to beating this Dallas Cowboys team. Um, Again, I think that Dak Prescott, while he may be a little bit turnover prone, he does throw for 35 touchdowns in some seasons. A lot of yardage. He knows how to move the rock with efficiency. He can put up a lot of points 
in a hurry, and CeeDee Lamb is a huge part of that equation. So, Alex, when you're looking at a Dory Jackson versus CeeDee Lamb, or really just a Dory Jackson playing in the slot for the first time um, in his career, how do you feel going into week one with his uh, comfortability in this new position? I'll tell you what, I feel a lot, of, a hell of a lot better with a Dory there than Darnay Holmes. So, you know, I think that's a major improvement, even if he's never played there before. And that's, and, and for, what, for what it's worth, that's not entirely true. He does travel a lot. So he does move into the slot with some of the better uh, receivers in football, um, like CD Lamb last year, for example. I'm sure he traveled into the slot for a, a decent amount of snaps. So I don't think he's like, Playing in the slot specifically is a little bit different than traveling with a cor- with a receiver into the slot um, because you know their tendencies. You know what they're trying to do here. Um, CeeDee Lamb operates out of the slot like 70-plus percent, maybe a little bit less than that, maybe a 69, 70 percent. So in my opinion, you know, you want your best corner against him. Undoubtedly, you want your best corner against him. So uh, right now, Adori going into the slot. Now, the only thing that I'm a little bit concerned about is that Adoree's not the best tackler. He had a good season last year when it comes to that, but the years prior were not very good. If they need Adoree to step up against the run, I'm a little bit concerned he's going to get mowed down, um, which is where guys like Trey Hawkins have to come and support from the boundary, which is where the linebackers have to step up and plug those gaps. Um, Adoree may be a bit of a, a liability against the run, and if I'm Dallas... I'm setting the tone. That is what Dallas does. They set the tone with the run game. Their offensive line is a killer run blocking unit. They always are, um, you know, depending on how healthy they are. So, you know, you'll see this this week, I think Tony Pollard is going to be the guy. Like, they're going to lean on Pollard to set the tone early, and then they're going to start building off the run game. That's how I kind of envision it going. If the Giants can stop the run and make them one-dimensional, which is what Wink Martindale likes to do, he his entire game plan is if you can make a team one-dimensional, you can start to predict what they're going to do, right? If, you, if you're forcing a team to pass all the time, you know, eventually you're going to hit home. Eventually you're going to get a third and long. Eventually you're going to get a turnover. Um, but if they have the run game, it opens up the play action. It opens up the more confusing, um, you know, concepts of an offensive scheme. So if I'm the Giants, my number one priority, stop the run, stop Tony Pollard, who's a really good running back, overwhelm their offensive line, get your linebackers in there. The interior guys have to step up and make plays, and your cornerbacks and safeties have to be um, aware and not let that, those outside runs, man. Dallas with those outside runs, they're killer. Like they, Tony Pollard is not someone to sleep on. Like he will kill us if the, if we let him. Um, I do believe they're going to run some outside zone. They're going to try and attack the slot. They're going to try and attack the boundaries. They're going to try and attack our rookie cornerbacks, testing them in the run game, um, and that's where they're going to try and find success. Bobby Okereke, this is your chance to step up and, and earn that contract. We think we love Bobby. He, you know, he's a great dude. Uh, we interviewed him a couple months back. Um, we think he's going to be a, a great player for us. Uh, this is where this is where you got to show up on those boundary runs. They're attacking our rookie corners. You're attacking the slot with the Dory. Got to get in there, fill those gaps, um, and ultimately you you need um, you know our, our outside linebackers as well to seal the edge and get into the backfield quickly and beat those tackles. So you know when it comes to a Dory Jackson, I. I He's going to be a liability in the run if he's in the slot, but at the end of the day, he's our best coverage corner, and I want him against their best receiver, and that ultimately is as far as it goes. A hundred thousand percent. I'm in total agreement with you. And again, I think that you made some really good points there about Tony Pollard. Like that's not a player to sleep on. Dallas has had a great running game for multiple seasons. And it hasn't been just because they had Ezekiel Elliott for years. It's because they have a really great run, um, run calling scheme. They have really good offensive linemen and they really do just know how to find ways to put their running backs in space. And Tony Pollard proved that last year with that breakout campaign. Now he's on the franchise tag. We'll see if that hampers his ability to perform this year. I don't think that it will. I think he's still some 
somebody that the Giants have to keep a very close eye on, and we need to see Bobby Okereke stand up. So I guess that's our de facto seventh key to victory here is Bobby Okereke and how he does in managing the run defense for the New York Giants. But we pretty much gave you six keys. We said we were going to give you three. We gave you six. Six keys to victory on the New York Giants lineup this season. You got two for the price of one. Congrats to all of you. But that pretty much does wrap this one up. Make sure to leave a like if you did enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the, to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode and comment your thoughts on the topic down below in the comment section. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review and go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. But without further ado, we will catch you all in the next one. Have a good one and let's go Giants.